0: I'm Vanessa Lee, registered nurse, top aesthetic injector, and a trusted authority in the world of beauty and skincare. I'm Nurse Janet, aesthetic nursing
1: director at The Things We Do and trainer and mentor to new and future injectors. Welcome to the podcast. Join us as we cover all the things we do for beauty, weird shit included.
0: This episode is sponsored by The Things We Do. Come visit our locations in downtown LA, Venice, and Chino Hills. You can also inquire about appointments and can get a feel of what we do through our IG and TikTok at thethingswedo.co, or simply stroll on by the beauty bar and pick up all of your skincare essentials. We want to hear from you. Please send us a DM on our IG at thethingswedo.co with your questions or comments, and we will be choosing a listener to shout out and have their questions answered on upcoming episodes. Hi, guys. Welcome back to The Things We Do. We're on season three, episode 11, and I'm with Nurse Janet. Hi, everyone. I'm Vanessa Lee, and this episode, we're talking about realistic expectations and outcomes of cosmetic procedures, minimally invasive procedures. So I'm going to talk about why it's important for patients, mm-hmm. and then will you drive talk home why it's yes. important for providers? Yes. Okay, so realistic expectations are so important for patients to have because you need to know a lot of these super transformative, like beautiful makeovers before and afters that you see on Instagram, TikTok, social medias in general a lot of different combinations of procedures have been done together to arrive to that, or a significant amount of filler, or a significant amount of Botox, like true dosing has been done in order for this outcome to be available for this patient. And also, um, I think it's really important for you guys to know what to expect and what to put your money towards so that it's worth it for you. So we'll talk about Botox, filler, threads, microneedling, PRFM, the outcomes that you can expect, the, the differences, in skin texture, what you can notice as far as lift, actual facial shaping, and also probably what's not going to happen for you and instead what to do. So that's for if you're a patient listening, that's what or watching because now we're doing video.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you're a provider, the reason
1: it's important to know and manage your patient's expectations when it comes to these minimally invasive treatments is because you need to build a sense of trust with your patients and there has to be a, um, a sense of, there has to be transparency between you guys. Mm-hmm. So it's important to to really know and drive this knowledge home when it comes to your consultation because then your patient is going to trust you. They're going to know what to expect and then it's just going to build this relationship that's going to last years and then they are going to let you do all these different types of treatments like Vanessa discussed. They're not going to just keep it limited to Botox or just Botox and fillers. They're going to let you do the bioregenerative stuff. They're going to let you focus on their skin because there's that strong sense of trust from the very start because you manage their expectations.
0: Right. Okay, so let's start off with Botox. If you're a patient, what you can expect from Botox is some skin smoothing. So if you have lines ingrained into the skin on the forehead, in between the brows, on the crow's feet area, you can expect and you can rely on either those lines to be significantly softened up, like most of them are softened, decreased, and diminished. Um, Sometimes all the lines go away. What you can expect also in return is that movement in those areas is not going to be the same because what's happening is we're changing the muscle movement underneath so that the skin on top can have a break and can smooth out. You can also expect from Botox to minimize certain muscle strength. So for example, masseters, if you get masseter Botox, that masseter will not be as large and as strong. And so you get a shrinking of that back angle of the jaw. So that's what you can expect. I wouldn't rely on... um, For example, something that we hear all the time in office and is almost impossible to do is I want a completely smooth forehead, Mm -hmm. but I also want my brows to be lifted as much as possible. So I want my brows to be lifted and then no lines on my forehead that's impossible.
1: So that's where a provider comes in and really has to set up expectations. So as a provider, your number one job is to know the underlying anatomy of the areas that you're treating. Because then you know, logically, if you're treating that area with neurotoxin, with Botox, with dysport, then you know that that muscle is gonna have it- the opposite effect, or it's not gonna do what it typically does. So it's your job to, number one, know and understand the anatomy of the area, so you know what happens when you treat it.
0: Way before you pick up a syringe, by Before the way.
1: all of that, you should know the anatomy, and then number two, when you treat a patient, you have to really, um, you can't sugarcoat things. So one of the things that Vanessa was discussing about having a completely, you know, polished forehead, but having a maximum brow lift, I will let my patients know. And we let our patients know very clearly, no sugarcoating chances are you cannot have both. You're going to have to compromise a little bit of the lift. If you want to soften up those lines in the upper part of the forehead, or you're going to have to compromise and have some of those lines if you want maximum lift. And once you tell patients that and they understand it's either choice A or B, then they're going to be like, well, okay, now I know what
0: to expect moving forward. What's more important to you? The What's smoothest forehead possible or the maximum brighter brow eye lift. frame with maximum lift? And usually it's lift people. Yes. So so imagine if you, t- you, if you don't tell the patient that, right? right. And then they sure. go home. And then you're completely Great.
1: smooth and then they don't get the brow lift. It's highly disappointing. You lost that patient because in their head it's not that this is a good treatment it's that i didn't get what i want and this is a bad treatment and i don't like how this feels right but if you explain it to them a lot of them understand and then like i said choice a
0: or choice b yeah and what's a priority to you a patient came in recently and she was like i want fuller lips so i'd like to do the botox lip flip As a patient, you're not gonna get volume with a lip flip. You'll have more of the pink of the vermilion, the pink of the face of the lip showing because the inner lower portion of the lip is now gonna cover the teeth more. And so you have more of that showing, but it's not more volume. You don't have extra robust plumping in the lips whatsoever. As far as that, if you want that outcome, it has to be filler. Yeah, I agree. Or like with the Botox brow lift, especially when we're working with the lateral
1: portion of the brow. Um, I get this so much where patients will come in. And for those of you who are listening, I'm going to show this on camera, but I'll explain it. When they take the lateral portion of their brow and they pull it all the way up. I want you to lift my brows. I want you to lift my brows. And it's going to do this, right? And I'm like, No. And then they're like, okay, but it's going to do this. And then they do like probably two millimeters less than what they initially did. I'm like, no, it's going to do more like this. And I show them about like a one to two millimeter lift. And I drive it home because they will in so many different ways, patients will say, okay, but it's going to lift a little more than that, right? no, mm-hmm. this is what, chances this are, is this is what, what we're it's gonna to get do. With Botox. this and is what we're able to get. And that is
0: significant. Like a yes. one to two millimeter shift, even like a two to three millimeter shift in the eye frame yes. is huge actually yes. in the bigger scheme of things. And I think that we need to do a good job explaining that to patients. And then, you know, if a patient was like, well, I'm looking for something more aggressive than that, then consider a brow lift or Mm -hmm. consider doing threads with us. You know, that's something that you can absolutely consider and would be great for you if you want a more aggressive lift. As far as Botox goes or other neuromodulators, this is what we can pull off for you. Nine times out of 10, patients are so happy with what we're able to pull off with the Botox brow lift. Um, In the one-off, you know, the one out of 10 patients, they're, pleased with it, but they want more, and then they move on to more aggressive treatments. Exactly. Did we cover everything with Botox? We did. Okay, great. Let's move on to filler. Yes. Okay, so for patients, what you should expect with filler is that you'll be able to get some slight volumization you'll be able to have some um, shaping with the face so if you're rounder you can move towards a more angular shape like a diamond if you are diamond or square and need a little bit of rounding in the apple of cheeks we can definitely do that Um, those are realistic expectations and it usually takes about maybe one to three treatments to get exactly where you want to be because depending on what shape or what kind of fullness you desire typically it takes a little bit of a buildup. You don't want to do too much at one time. We can separate it into maybe two or three treatments at most if we're going for a more significant transition from before and after. Um, A lot of times we can get it done in one treatment and that's totally fine. As far as volume goes if you are looking for a facial shaping or a facial balancing procedure it's very normal to have one to two teaspoons worth of filler place so that's an expectation i want you guys to understand as well one to two teaspoons worth of hyaluronic acid filler to shape the face if you think about a teaspoon how much actual, you know, volume that holds and you're thinking about shaping the cheeks, shaping the lips, shaping the jawline mm-hmm. and the chin area it doesn't sound like much but if i translate with one one to two teaspoons what that means as far as syringes we're going to have multiple syringes for you okay so that's totally normal some people call them mLs, some people call them cc's some people call them syringes each syringe is one cc one cc is a fifth of a teaspoon so if i'm saying you need one to two teaspoons that's a few syringes okay so Keep up with those expectations. It's totally normal. Janet and I in previous episodes have expressed what we've already used in our face. And each of us have about a teaspoon or over, just over a teaspoon yeah. of hyaluronic acid support.
1: Yeah. So for providers, I feel like for providers, again, it's letting your patient know that these treatments require multiple syringes or Mm -hmm. multiple CCs or a teaspoon, however you want to word it. Um, I think what really works well, if you feel like your patient is a more visual patient, a more visual learner. So I always show I always ask patients, I'm like, can I show you my face? Can I lower my mask and show you? And once I show them my face and they're like, oh, you get this stuff done. I'm like, yeah, I actually have. Five to six syringes in my face. And then they look at that and they're like, okay, she looks normal and she still looks volumized, but in the most natural way, then they feel a lot more comfortable. I think that goes hand in hand with um, having like a portfolio, like working on your portfolio, because a lot of the times what I do is once I treat a patient, I always take after pictures and then I tell them or I ask them, Um, If they're comfortable showing it on social media and if they're not I always ask them can I keep it in like a portfolio folder and that way patients that are in the chair I can use it as an example nine times out of 10 they say yes because it's not on social media but and they know that I'm just showing it in office and it's just staying in office so then when that patient comes in and they're a little hesitant about doing full facial balancing or they maybe don't understand the amount in relation to the effect that they're going to get once I pull up that picture They're like, oh, I want whatever she Mm -hmm. got. So if you say, I I don't even care about the amount. If you say this is what it's going to take then let's do it. So I feel like for you as a provider, you have to learn what type of patient you're dealing with. It's either a detail-oriented patient who's going to understand teaspoons and syringes. Some of them are nurses, right? So once we talk about milliliters, they understand a little bit more. A lot of my patients are visual. So once I show them pictures, it's pretty much wand them over. And then they have a very clear idea of once I leave here... Jan is going to tailor this treatment to me and this is the effect that I'm going to get. So with fillers, that's how I manage it because I feel like it just works well for all patients across the board.
0: I think it's really important for providers to also talk about filler in terms of what the effect is going to be. So we talked about defining the jawline, bringing more light to the eyes working on softening the features around your cheeks. Those are the kind of things that patients understand typically. If you say, I'm going to put one CC here and two CCs of this type of filler here, that doesn't really register to what the Mm -hmm. patients are looking forward to as far as the outcome. And so talk about the effects. It's much more easy for the patient to identify with what they can look forward to.
1: Yeah. I feel like I've also seen a lot of providers, newer providers when I'm training them, they get so wrapped up in like the technical part of it. So yeah, save I've heard, that
0: for our conversations. They like don't want to know each other. <laughs> they don't want to know One one
1: provider was telling a patient and then I'm going to I'm injecting and I'm going down to your bone. And I'm like, that's the last thing yeah. they want to hear. And yeah. it's OK. I understand why she would say that, because in her mind, she's probably like, this is what I want to hear. But again, it's about reading the room and understanding the patient that in your chair, 10 out of 10 times, I think they don't want to know. Unless the patient is
0: asking, where exactly are you? I need to know just for my own comfort. Tell that patient. Otherwise, you know, your regular patient who's walking in doesn't want to know too much about what's going on because it freaks them out. That's it. They want to know that you're going to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. They want to know the effect and that you're going to be able to do this with confidence. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about PRFM. This I feel like is so important because... As a patient, PRFM, you know, that is one of our most popular treatments at the things we do. It's considered a biostimulator because we're trying to use your own growth factors to stimulate your body's natural response for neocollagenesis to build up new collagen and thicken the skin. So with PRFM, some people think it's a filler. It stands for a platelet-rich fibrin matrix. Mm-hmm. That's what we say it is. It's a, it's a matrix. It's like a thin, thin, thin natural gel that's made from your own growth factor. It is not a filler. It's not going to volumize your face. It's not gonna make you puffy. It's also not going to um, solve all your problems. So yes. it's a skin thickener, so areas with skin that's starting to turn crepey so under eye skin. If you don't have like deep volume depletion, but that skin is starting to thin on you and it's noticeable, use it in that area. Use it in areas around the mouth for the accordion lines, for the submalar or preauricular zone that's starting to thin out. Use it for the submental Mm -hmm. zone here where you're starting to get that crepey skin. It's great for those areas and it's a subtle, it's subtly dramatic. Like it's, it's like a nuance of a difference, but it's a true difference that you can see and feel the skin integrity changes. improves after one treatment. So one to two treatments, one to three treatments in a year is like,
1: it's fantastic.
0: But it's for the person who is not looking for a completely new face, because that's not what it's going to do for you. It's going to enhance your skin quality. And it's very noticeable when you're looking at the skin. As far as providers, I think it's really important, right? It's your it's
1: your job to drive that point home to your patients, because, for example, I had a patient come in where um, her sister had gotten PRFM in the office with us and her sister had under eyes very similar to mine, where she did one treatment of PRFM and it looked amazing. And then this patient came in and she's like, I want what my sister got. It's the PRFM. And she had the most sunken under eyes. And I told her, you could do PRFM. You're going to see something of a difference. But I want to be very clear about what difference you're expecting to see. And once I got to talking with her, it was very clear she thought it was going to act like a filler. Mm -hmm. So it's your job, don't sugarcoat it because she was pretty like dead set on my sister got it done and I know this is what I'm going to get from getting this treatment done and I was like, well no, we're looking at two completely different people, two completely different set of issues when it comes to volume loss, so it's your job to drive it home to patients, this is more of a a skin booster, a skin treatment. And then you're gonna do it with things like filler down the line. But if you feel comfortable starting off with a skin component first, let's start with that first. And then down the line, filler is gonna be a part of your plan. I don't say maybe, like it, it is going to be a part of your plan. We're gonna bring it in. So I feel like it's your job not to sugarcoat things and let patients know what to expect. Also on the other end of that, I have a lot of patients who have done filler first and then they do PRFM after. So if you're have some, if you someone who has treated the mid-face or under eyes with filler, you know, when you walk out, you look pretty good. Like nothing really looks puffy. It looks really good. If you've done PRFM, you know, you can walk out and look a little puffy depending on your skin, right? So my patients who have gotten filler done in the mid-face area with me once they do PRFM with me, I let them know this is unlike your filler treatment. Do not expect the same downtime as your filler treatment in a sense of you're not going to walk out of here looking as polished. You're going to look good, but it is going to swell a little bit more. Personally, when I got it done, um, I told Janae, "Put (laughs) put as much as you can in my under eye area. And I remember I kept doing I kept looking down at my cheek and I was like, I can see it, but that's what I wanted because I knew I wanted to put a certain amount in there in order to elicit that collagen production and get the most out of it. So I tell patients, if you've gotten filler done in the past, please try to separate that from this treatment because you are going to walk out and it is going to look and feel a lot different than your filler treatment. So I set them up with that. And once they know that there isn't a sense of
0: panic afterwards, Mm -hmm. because could you imagine after PRFM with that puffiness? I know. Yeah. Like, yeah, so you just have to manage those expectations ahead of time and have that conversation yes. even before you get started. Yes. So I like to tell patients with filler, we slightly undercorrect always, no matter where it is in the face and no matter what filler we're using. It's not dependent on the hydrophilicity qualities or the G prime or the cohesivity or any of those characteristics all hyaluronic hyaluronic acid fillers are going to pull in a little bit of water Mm -hmm. into that hyaluronic acid gel in your face over time. So we always undercorrect slightly. Um, you don't walk with, with PRFM, we overcorrect that area because you are going to lose a little bit of that efficacy. It's not a gel implant that's going to stay with you. It's essentially your own blood growth factor. It's not like a gel that's going to stay with you the entire time. The gel factor is meant to stimulate the Mm -hmm. tissues around it in order to have that tissue build more of itself in the future. So we overcorrect and make you puffy a little bit. You swell and we want that swelling to occur. So after fillers, we give you ice. After PRFm, no icing. We want you to swell. We want that, you know, stimulation and that controlled inflammation response to be triggered. So very very different. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about threads. So oh, threads <laughs> the the yeah, I feel like we're getting more and more oh, man um, <laughs> uh, I guess like aggressive with the expectations yeah. and what people expect. So with threads, there are two different types of threads. There are, well, there's many different types of threads, actually, but mm-hmm. there are two, um I guess cultures of threads and what they really do and how they behave and what they do in the face. So one is thread lifting. You can lift the tissues in the face. And the other one is skin thickening. So with skin thickening threads, those are usually the small ones that you see kind of grids of where they place many within like the cheek, nasolabial fold, submental zone area. Those are skin thickening threads, just like PRFM is a skin thickening biostimulator. And then the lifting threads, That's what we really need to focus on as far as expectations. Yeah, As a patient, you can expect a few millimeters and sometimes a centimeter or two of lift depending on your skin laxity and also where you are in life, your your maturity. Um, So if someone is already really full in the face and really tight, do not expect to get a significant lift. It's not going to happen for you. It's too much weight and too much tightness for the threads to make a true difference. If someone has a little laxity in the brow, you can get a significant lift in the brow with threads. If somebody has significant laxity in the mid face and lower face tissues, like if someone has loss of elasticity, has collagen issues, has a little bit of jowling due to fat shifting, and also again, loss of elasticity in the mid and lower face, you are a great candidate for threads. If you have very thin skin and you have severe loss of elasticity in this in the skin i don't recommend threads it's not going to meet your expectations if you want to be lifted inches and want to put off doing a facelift because you think that threads are going to do the same thing it's not for you threads are not going to give you a facelift look um nor can it you know get anything close to it really I feel Mm -hmm. like a facelift is still the golden standard when it comes to like true significant Lifting. lifting of and like also working with the deeper planes of the skin and you know not just you know displacing but replacing where tissues used to be facelifts are still it but if you are not open to that just yet because you're not quite there yet and you want to do this a little bit of shifting in the skin and tissues by a few millimeters maybe sometimes centimeters if you like the look when you get out of the shower and your hair is wet and you wrap it in a towel and you put it you put that towel back and you get that little shift yes threads are for you and those are the expectations that you can count on and rely on i feel like for providers the main thing is if your patient is more
1: of a surgical candidate, you have tell to... tell them. Yeah, ask them. Are you open to exactly. any kind of surgery? Because I think
0: this is for you.
1: Yeah, and I, I tell I tell providers all the time. I know it's an awkward conversation, but they're going to be so grateful that you guided them in the correct way. And then guess what? They're going to refer their friends to you. And then after that facelift, they're going to come to you for all the other good stuff because you said no to them. And it's you don't have to be like um, you don't have to ask in a way that's offensive. Exactly like Vanessa said, I always ask my patients um, Have you considered or are you thinking about possibly getting a facelift? Has that crossed your mind? And then so
0: most How of them will motivated say, are you yeah. to get the result of a few inches and if they're like I'll do anything like yes. have you considered surgery? And
1: if a patient tells me I've already gone for a surgical consult and now I'm here it's apples and oranges. Mm. It's too completely like one can't replace the other. So I feel like once they've already gone in for a surgical consult then in my head I'm like oh they've seen what the surgeon can do. So no matter what I do, it's not going to match up to that. But then it's just a matter of, are you ready for surgery? And if you're not, then yeah, maybe we can do threads on you and we can buy you a little bit of time. But if you're ready to take that leap and do surgery, that is a better option for you. And patients have come back to me and they've said, thank you, because now I can focus on like the skin part of it. Now I can, you know, do all the other stuff. I can do fillers if I need it. So I feel like for providers, um, it's okay to say no for threads. It's it's definitely important. For anything,
0: to, really. If you anything, feel like there's yeah. something else that's better, let your patient know.
1: Yeah, and then also, again, when the patients start doing that really – Full tack back, that's your job to tell them, Well, no, this is actually what you can get. And having those before and afters is gonna help you. Like I said, not every patient needs to consent to them being on social media, but my patients, most of them consent to me keeping it in a folder and having it to pull up and show other patients because they understand the hesitancy that comes with doing some of these treatments. So right. it's important to kind of have that visual for patients. And that's that's a conversation that I have with my patients. It's are you ready for surgery? And then if not. Let's talk about what I can do for you and what you can expect after. Because it's not an easy investment, not only financially, like finances aside, um, downtime. You have quite a bit of swelling, right? It feels achy. It feels tender. Yeah,
0: swelling for up to two weeks. You can feel sore. You're limited in
1: like even like working out. You're limited in your day-to-day things that you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So it's, I always tell patients it's not, it's. It's not an easy ask out of all the social downtime. Yes. It's so I understand, you know, that there's, it's not an easy ask, but this is what I can do for you. And this is what you can expect afterwards. Once they have that, you have to give them the right to um, know what they can and can't do after, because then it's going to be easier downtime for them versus I had a patient. Oh my gosh. Side note. I had a patient where I was doing threads on her Mm -hmm. as I was done doing the threads. I was like, well, I'd really love for you to come in between two to four weeks. You know, I want to take a peek. And uh, and she's like, okay, well, four, four weeks exactly from this day I'm getting married. And I was like, well, this is great. You know, four weeks is fine. Don't get me wrong. There are some patients where there's one wow. or two little areas. I know. One or two little areas that could take up to six weeks, yeah. you know, depending on the person. Or at the very least, I just want to make sure she's fully comfortable. You know, chances are she's going smiling to. Smiling and enjoying her I was about to say, day, chances are she's going to have a bridal shower, you yeah. know, like all this stuff. I was like, well, okay, can you come in between one to two weeks and I can just take a look just for my peace of mind, your peace of mind. Right. And this is on a Thursday, Okay. Yeah. Love that. Actually, on a, on Sunday, I'm flying out to Spain, and that's where I'm getting married.
0: Oh my god! And I just so and no I looked follow-up. at
1: her and I said, "So you wanted to tell me this after?" She goes, yeah. "Well, I." She's like, "I trust you, and I knew you would say no oh if I told god. you all this stuff." That zinger. And I said, "Can you just please, just please yeah. email me? I Patience, know you're be please busy. tell us everything so that we can prepare for you, please." Just please. tell us because I was already done with the treatment, and then I was like, "But she knew, she knew I would say no to her." Yeah. But at that point, it was already, I think half the face was I was like, wow. Yeah,
0: then we just chart, okay? Yeah. All of that stuff. Patient said that she was okay yes. with this. You know, we didn't, um, she was being sneaky on yes. purpose.
1: Just kidding. There's more professional for she... that. But
0: patient <laughs> but, withheld information.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's been about a month since. So yeah. she's doing great. I'm sure she's living you her know. best life. She's and living this her, her best life. is a life woman in who's Spain. used to getting
0: her weight. Got yeah, bless. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, it's my job to let you guys know <laughs> what you shouldn't do afterward. It's your job to keep me informed of your social calendar. Yeah. That's it.
0: For providers, also, I, I've heard some providers in the past say that, you know, we don't offer, I don't really offer threads to my patients, even though we have it available at the office, because I don't feel like I've really seen significant enough of a lift or like that much of a change for it to warrant me suggesting to mm-hmm. a patient. What that tells me is you haven't had the right training yes. yet. Because the lifts that we are getting at the things we do are... Optimal, Phenomenal. I mean, really, really impressive. Again, it doesn't compare to what we can do with surgery, but as far as a minimally invasive treatment, it is really impressive. So I highly suggest you look into one of our trainings or you, you know, really push for trainings wherever you are. Um, try, try to reach out to us also and, and maybe let us know what you're doing, what kind of threads you use. We use a combination of Mint PDO with PDO Max. And we use a few different vectors. We've really perfected our craft Honestly. over the past like five years, um, and the lifts that we're getting are—it's—it would be sad for you to have the availability of this treatment and not give it to your patients if you're able to pull off what we're pulling off. So maybe attend a training course with us or um, you can request me from Mint PDO, but we'll do mm-hmm. a thread training course in the future, right? Yeah. We'll do hands-on and also observer spots.
1: And that's across the board for not only threads, but everything, Botox, fillers, right. everything. It's your job if you feel like you're inadequate and that's that comes with a sense of accountability as a provider. If you feel like you're lacking or you're inadequate in a certain technique or a certain category of products or, you know, or certain areas of the face, it's your job to take your education into your hands, find courses, reach out to us. We have beauty theory several times a year. Invest in yourself because it's only going to elevate you as a provider, right? So it's your job to kind of take all that into your hands and really drive it home.
0: Um, let's go ahead and talk about microneedling. Okay. Yes. Okay. Microtox, microneedling with a microneedling pen and a microneedling radio frequency device, okay? Those three things, as a patient, if you have a general red flush in the skin, some slight rosacea, if you have larger pore size, if you are very oily, if you want um, a quick, no downtime procedure to help address those things within a short time frame, like duration, as far as like the results lasting, microinfusion is what you should choose. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, and I'm talking about the things we do specifically because we have our own cocktail. We use glutathione, a little bit of neuromodulator, we use a little bit of hyaluronic acid filler, and sometimes we put in our own, your own Pure FM inside the treatment as well. The best. And we stamp that into the skin. So that treatment specifically reduces your redness, minimizes the appearance of your pore size, decreases your oiliness, decreases acne production, and makes you visibly smoother and less red, okay? that treatment will only last you a couple of months, maybe like three months, four months max. So it's something that you do like once a season and there's almost no downtime with it, okay? Um, As far as acne scarring, full rejuvenation of tissues, resurfacing of skin for all skin types, no heat, treatment whatsoever. Microneedling with a microneedling pen with PRFM is amazing, okay? Even when you do it with hyaluronic acid or if you use like a snail serum growth factor or if you use growth factor from human derivatives. Um, It's a treatment that helps smooth the skin. Um, Your pore size is also refined. Um, you have a resetting of the tissues as far as the texture and like fine lines in the skin. That's all improved and you do have a glow about you. So I would recommend that treatment, maybe like a small series, like two to three of them once a year. As far as microneedling radiofrequency for a patient, what you can um, achieve with radiofrequency microneedling is skin tightening and skin smoothing. Okay. So the surface of the skin is amplified skin smoothing, retexturize a lot smoother than you would get with the microinfusion and also uh, traditional microneedling with a pen. But you're also getting this deeper um, heat flash. It's a thermal flash of heat within the tissues. Um, and that kind of like shrink wraps everything. So this is not going to be comparable to like a deep body tight, face tight radio frequency probe or... Um, Something that they would use surgically after a type of lipo, that's not what this does. It's something more superficial and you're getting a tightening of the skin, but it's not something where when, again, people lift the tissues, that's not the type of tightening you're getting. It's an internal tightening of the tissues so that the tissues don't herniate away from you know closer to that bony prominence that you have. Um, but it doesn't do what threads do, it doesn't do what a facelift does, okay? So that's what to expect. The outcomes of each one are, are impressive and are subtly dramatic, but they are significant outcomes. It's just, I want you to be clear on what you're asking for and what you can head towards, what you can look forward to, okay? I think the one thing
1: with any microneedling treatment is you should learn, like Vanessa said, learn what your patient's goal is and then tailor whatever microneedle treatment they need to them. So if they have an event coming up, then probably the microtox microinfusion mixture. If they have acne scarring, then lean more towards the microneedling with radio frequency or the traditional microneedling with the pen. Um, aside from that, one of the main questions that we get asked is how long does this treatment last? So when Point that I would like you guys to learn to drive home to patients is that you know these treatments they produce collagen right so it really is dependent on how long your body wants to hold on to that collagen but the most important thing is how you take care of your skin at home after these treatments in between these treatments so Vanessa I always say you taught me how to say this in the best way where it makes complete sense for patients what you know what I'm about to say I know. <laughs> yes once I say it, you're gonna be like oh okay, no that's it so I always tell my patients think of this like um your twice a year dental cleaning and then everything oh, yes. you do at home the brushing and the flossing is going to be your skincare your sunblock all the stuff in between once you say it or you explain it like that to patients they're like okay i play a part in this as well i can't just lean so heavily on these girls in the office and expect them to work wonders because you could do three to six of these back to back but if you're out there baking in the sun and no sunblock baking in
0: the sun vaping you know this, like not uh, eating smoking, the right thing all these
1: environmental factors and it's really going to see the effects for as long as, you know, if someone who takes care of their skin and they're very diligent with their skincare and they take care of themselves and they live a somewhat healthy lifestyle. So that's the main point I drive home to patients. I think people get so fixated on this is what I'm paying. What am I getting out of it longevity wise? And then the point that I drive home to patients is this stuff works. It's backed by science. There's you know, decades of research on microneedling. how and then
0: protect your investment. That's like your take care your of it your once only you job home. is
1: exactly. You have to protect your investment, and you have to take care of it once you leave this office. So that's the main point I like to drive home to patients is just as much as this depends on me and my technical skill set, fifty percent of it really depends on you, right? So once I word it like that, then they're like, oh, okay, this is this is serious. Yeah, <laughs> this is serious stuff.
0: I think our last one is chemical peels, which is pretty straightforward. For a patient, chemical peels are essentially getting rid of those outer layers of skin that are holding in the memory of some hyperpigmentation and also holding in the memory of some fine lines within the skins as well. Skins? skins. We're just going to keep it within the (laughs) skin as well. So um, as far as chemical peels go, there's different levels and different ingredients of chemical peels. Talk to your provider about your concerns and what your main effect that you're looking for with your skin is. So for example, if I have I'm dealing with hyperpigmentation. There are specific peels and ingredients in peels that I would pull for for a patient who's coming in with hyperpigmentation than for a patient who has deep wrinkles and also deep acne scarring. Those are two totally different peels that I would do. So make sure that you're discussing with your provider Um, the goal that you're trying to achieve, and then also making sure you're clear with what you can expect for your social downtime. So usually after you do a mid-depth peel, you will peel on the third day after you get the peel, and then you will continue to peel for the next seven to 10 days. If you get a deeper peel, it will last longer usually, your social downtime. So your social downtime will be anywhere from like Um, seven to 10 days to 10 to 21 days, depending on the peel that you're getting. So make sure that you talk about those things. But peels are usually a for sure thing. They work beautifully.
1: Yeah, and I think as a provider, just a few key points. Number one is skincare. Make sure you have adequate knowledge of skincare in order to set your patient up because we were talking in the last episode about how I did a very heavy peel and I should have been more conscious of the skincare I was using. It was my first big peel that I did, so I had no idea. But I think it's important as a provider to set your patient up with skincare afterwards. Send them home with skincare. All my patients who do a peel, they go home with a gentle cleanser, a good moisturizer, and then an SPF. Those three things they need. Also, if you're a provider, um, don't sugarcoat the downtime because then their skin's going to start peeling and they're going to freak out if it peels for a day or two longer than you said. Mm -hmm. So I kind of give them like the higher end. And then if it's less, great. But if it falls within that range, then that's perfect as well. Um, The main point, and because I hear this so much from patients... If you're not comfortable with chemical peels, do not do them on patients. I have so many patients who are very unwilling to do chemical peels or it takes me a lot of hand-holding with them because they've been hyperpigmented in the past, they've been scarred in the past, and they're so hesitant to do these amazing chemical peels so So
0: ask your provider how comfortable are you with chemical peels have you done them yourself like do you love chemical peels for your own skin how often do you do these for patients if you ask us at the things we do we love them we love them for ourselves we're we love them for our patients we're very comfortable applying them we're very comfortable with choosing the right ingredients for your skin type specifically so when you look at our menu we have petite peels and then we have complete and then we have like the heavy duty cosmolon peels right so depending on what your skin type is and what your goal is for your skin within that petite peel there's certain things that we can shift within the mid-range peel the complete peel there's certain things that we can choose from so you want to choose someone who feels absolutely confident in treating this if there's some hesitancy or if you feel like there's a little bit of pushback follow your gut follow your instinct listen to that and don't do it with them yeah actually i'm and gonna think about it and i'll come, come back
1: when us. i have time and then come on over <laughs> yeah
0: okay we did a great job with this i feel yes, like right very a thorough really good one um thank you guys so much again if you have any questions or want to get in touch with us please feel free to message us on instagram nurse janet chi vanessa lee underscore underscore rn we will hear from you guys and we'd love to answer some of your questions in future episodes thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you soon thank you guys